Hope you enjoyed The Doors. That's the extended version of the song, just so you know. Usually on the radio, they only play the chorus, and they play the chorus again, and then that's the end of it. They don't really play that dope instrumental in the middle. The best part of the song is the improvisation in the middle. And I discovered that in my 20s with some headphones on, and I suggest you try it. It's really a... uh, it's a, an epiphany of an experience, I assure you. So go ahead and do that. Guys, welcome to another edition of the Logic and Larry podcast. It's episode 27, but really, man, we must be over 50. Because if you include all the ones that I didn't release officially on the podcast, Medium, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, you know, Spotify... And you don't include them, and you just go back to when I started the live shows... I mean, we've been running this for, it's got to be almost a year because I started this when COVID kind of first hit and we've been been going strong since then. So welcome though. Welcome. It's another Thursday. I don't know if I'm going to stick to Thursday. I don't know if I'm going to go back to Friday. I don't know if I'm going to pick a a new day altogether. One thing's for sure. I got to keep Fridays a little more open because, you know, as we open back up post COVID, people are going to want their Friday nights back. And who am I to intrude upon a Friday night even though I got the beats and I got the voice and I got the uh, conversation you know you might have something better to do so I don't want to monopolize your Fridays everything I say in this podcast is strictly my opinion as a private citizen is strictly my opinion as Larry that's it does not reflect the opinion of any other entity it does not reflect the opinion of any kind of professional position i may have it's simply just me as a private citizen expressing uh, my own private thoughts with you and it's only for entertainment and a little bit of information purposes but only in my private capacity so let me tell you something i am proud i'm just i'm feeling it with all of you guys out here because on social media you may not know it right because i don't like every comment i see that you leave i don't hop on every conversation that i see you have and i don't hop on every debate that i see that comes across my screen but let me tell you something let me tell you something i've seen several of you out here several of you out here having these crazy conversations. I've seen several of you out here arguing for truth and facts, even when it's not the popular opinion, even when you risk getting called out, you know, inaccurately for things, traits about you. I've seen you guys out here. Just because I don't like it for my own reasons or I don't jump in for my own reasons doesn't mean I don't see it. I see you guys out here fighting for just simply the truth and the facts and trying to spread it. And remember, if the person you're engaging with doesn't necessarily agree with you, somebody else is going to read it. And it's going to hit somebody else and they're going to say, damn, I never thought about it that way. And I see you out here doing that. And that is dope. That is dope. And I'm glad to see it. So you guys are inspiring me every day. We continue to spread knowledge. We continue to be logical. We continue to challenge people's false narratives as we go forward now one interesting thing before i jump into the meat and potatoes of the show is look there's gonna be a stimulus well not a stimulus we already had stimulus it's gonna be an infrastructure bill coming out joe biden he's president joe biden spoke today at a first his first press conference 
They are going to push this infrastructure project. Joe Manchin is on board, who's the biggest swing Democrat there is. They are going to get this bill through via reconciliation. There is going to be a massive infrastructure bill for the first time in a long time in this country. We are going to get the Gateway Tunnel Project in New York, New Jersey. All indicators say so. It's desperately needed. This is a huge infrastructure hub. This is a huge economic hub in the country. If we don't get that Gateway Tunnel and we had any problems in the current tunnel, which we do already, we would suffer massive economic consequences. So the fact that they're getting that project off the ground is a, means a lot for the tri-state means a lot for New York, means a lot for New Jersey. It's a great, great, great thing. They're going to get it through by reconciliation. There might be higher taxes on certain people. But look, interestingly, with the latest stimulus and all the funds that are available that still need to go out from that stimulus, and as Neil would have told you when he was on here a couple weeks ago, it takes time to get that stimulus money out through the various arms and entities of the government and to the various stakeholders that are recipients of it. It's going to take some time, but it's a massive stimulus. That, in conjunction and combined with this massive infrastructure bill, which is going to put us back on par, back on pace with our competitors in the developing world, like China, for instance, with high-speed rail, clean energy, infrastructure upgrades, repairs, things that have been desperately needed for a long, long time. We could be, in addition to the student loan forgiveness and other things that are being thrown around, we truly, truly, truly could be en route, en route to a period of prosperity in this country. Maybe one we haven't seen in quite some time. Although, look, we've been on a period of prosperity. And credit to the last president, he didn't screw it up as far as economic growth, except when he screwed up the coronavirus, but I'm not going to get into that. We have been on this wave and it might get bigger, so maybe us millennials are finally due for a upswing in the economy and that's a that's a great thing so we did hear that and we got that news this week but what other what was the other news we got this week what was the main story this week remember last week guys <laughs> remember last week when we discussed the shooting in atlanta remember last week when we discussed the shooting in atlanta and i told you that it wasn't about race although the stakeholders the media narrative spinners those who jump on the media narratives and regurgitate the same narratives for their own benefit just to be part of the group. When we talked about the fact that that media narrative largely based on race was a misnomer, remember that? Didn't I tell you that the common denominator in all of these shootings is a man, usually young, not always, but usually young, Access to a gun that was too easy and a mental health problem, probably in isolation with other shaky social foundations. Didn't I tell you that the common denominator in all of these shootings was in fact that? And that these political vultures out here trying to claim every different shooting for their own agenda was only going to prevent us from ever getting to an actual solution, was only going to prevent us from ever actually analyzing the problem for what it is, diagnosing it and treating it as any good physician would, didn't I tell you? Not to get caught up in the narrative about the race and to focus on the common thread that we see in every mass shooting in this country. I told you that last week. Lo and behold, this week, unfortunately, 
The United States of America, and unfortunately the state of Colorado, has faced another tragedy. Another young man entered a grocery store and indiscriminately fired shots, I believe from two different guns, and killed several people in the grocery store in Colorado. I told you it would happen. I told you the common denominator was young men, easy access to guns, social isolation. More and more details are emerging about the shooting last week in Atlanta, the tragedy. It is emerging that the individual involved in those shootings was a customer of the massage parlors in question. More and more people. More and more people are putting the narrative that was initially advanced behind them and being truthful about the fact that this was not motivated by race. And now we have the latest shooting. When it was first reported, some people tried to jump on yet another white perpetrator and tried to spin narratives that way because he was apprehended without being injured, even though he was shot in the leg. But that wasn't the case either. This person was a middle was of Middle Eastern descent. There's no indication that his Middle Eastern descent has anything to do with the motivation for the shooting. Chances are it doesn't. And remember what I said. Remember what I said. Even if these shooters claim some motivation, unless we can verify that the motivation truly is what pushed them to the shooting, chances are they were simply the same male, isolated, mentally unstable, socially troubled individuals who simply picked whatever extremist philosophy was available to them to use as the excuse, to use as the catalyst to engage in the same act of violence that we've seen time and time and time again. So we had another one of these shootings in Colorado. And again, I see people out here saying, well, let's call it terrorism. That's what it is, isn't it? It's terrorism. Why aren't they labeling it as terrorism? It surely is terrorism. Well, here's why. Here's some facts. Here's some truth. Here's some logic. Terrorism, by definition, according to Merriam-Webster and anybody who actually follows it, terrorism has a political motive, right? Terrorism is an indiscriminate act of violence intended to enact carnage, intended to harm civilians usually, in the name of a political motive with a political message, with a political aim and a political goal. None of these shooters have political goals. None of these shooters, therefore, can be classified as terrorists because there's no political goal. Whether they're, whatever their descent is, they're not necessarily terrorists, right? Because terrorists have a political motive. What they are is violent, violent murderers. And that's interesting, too, right? Because there are extremists in this country, and they do pose quite a threat. This week, we got more reports from individuals charged with investigating the threats of domestic terrorism in this country. One of the things President Biden took on early in his term was to diagnose the threat and decide how we can counteract the threat of domestic terrorism. Now, what occurred at the Capitol in January was not terrorism either. That was an insurrection. That was a coup, right? They were literally trying to thwart government processes. They were literally trying to thwart a government procedure so as to install an illegitimate person as the leader of the country. That's a coup. That's not terrorism. That's a coup. They didn't enact 
they enacted violence, but they their goal wasn't to enact massive violence in order to achieve a political goal. Their goal was to literally overthrow the government. That was a coup, and that was rightly defined by most. But anyway, this report that came out this week essentially said that we are at risk from extremists. And they said the bulk of the threat, there's no lying, there's no getting around it. The bulk of the domestic terror threat, I'm talking about terror now, I'm talking about violence from political actors, not just random violence like we saw in Colorado and we saw in Atlanta. The bulk of the political violence is going to come from right-wing extremists, Proud Boys, Boogaloo Boys, all these other people. However, however, there's a threat regarding left-wing, left-wing extremists as well. This was the report, nonpartisan. And in fact, there was, I saw somebody today speaking, saying on the news that the threat could be somewhat of the enemy of my enemy is my friend, where some of these extremists left and right groups may both attack law enforcement, may both attack figures in the government, may both attack figures of authority, because they share a common enemy. Neither the far left nor the far left respects the current governmental or political regime that we have and that we're at risk in general from both sides. And I think it's getting worse and worse and worse because of these narratives that they keep feeding us about left and right. And I know that some accuse me sometimes or, or, or insinuate that I simply try my hardest to be in the middle or try my hardest to be a center person. And I almost am disingen you know, disingenuous when I do that. But the fact is that I've always learned and I've always found in practicality and reality experience that that old saying, there's one side of the story, there's another side of the story, and then there's the truth that's somewhere in the middle is true. There's never the right or wrong answer on one side or the other of a political issue. And the fact that extremists on the left and extremists on the right have a common enemy, which is the those who are tasked with keeping us safe and keeping us functioning, is no surprise to me because any fringe element who's convinced that they're always right is going to attack the most logical and the most well-balanced entity that's holding it all together because they don't want it held together, do they? They want chaos so that they could reshape society in their image and in their philosophy. That's what they want to do. So there's no surprise that fringe elements on the left and on the right would engage in that type of violent behavior, and we've got to be on alert. But what's fueling it, right? What did I talk about last week when I discussed that we had a problem with violence? We had a problem with guns. We had a problem with mentally ill people and their propensities for violence and their propensities to use guns. What did I talk about? I talked about not feeding the narrative, right? That when we allow a narrative from one side or the other to take over the conversation, it always has a way of misleading us. It always has a way of leading us astray from the actual problems at hand and distracting us from viable and feasible and logical solutions. It always has a way of doing that, doesn't it? And last week it was the racial angle. It had to be a racial crime, even though it wasn't. And this week, you know, I, I got to be honest, I expected more of the, quote, terrorist angle, quote, the anti-Middle Eastern angle. But I'm not seeing as much of that. You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing the gun argument. 
I'm seeing the gun argument take over. And, and look, that that's not a bad thing per se, right? Because guns is part of this equation. Guns is one half of this equation. Guns is one half of the diagnosis of this disease that we've got to cure, okay? It's one half of it. So we should be talking about that in some respect. I'm glad we are. What I'm not happy with is just the, this is what always happens is there's this over, first there's this huge push from the left that we've got to get rid of assault weapons, right? There's got to be this type of weapons, man. They've got to ban assault weapons. And then we have this counter thing where it's almost preemptive nowadays, right? It's kind of sad that it's almost preemptive that as soon as a, a, a shooting happens, before anybody even says anything on the left about banning guns, there's this preemptive strike from the right about, you're not going to take my guns, and it's not a gun, guns don't kill people, people kill people, and all these arguments about guns and this and that. And we get down the rabbit hole, and we get in these arguments, and, and we don't go anywhere. Now, I'll tell you this, for some reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe people are sick of it. Maybe people are really want a solution finally on both sides. I don't know. For some reason with this one, I have seen some more logical conversations. I'm a bit encouraged by it. I've seen people come out and say, we got to get rid of assault weapons. And then I've said, well, the type of gun isn't really at issue here. And I've seen them actually listen to me and say, good point, Larry, on the left. And that's a good step. I haven't seen so many people on the right fight against any plausible solution. I've seen them simply point out the issues with trying to distinguish a certain type of gun and ban it. I'll say this. I think part of the issue is, just like I said last week, sometimes there's an inescapable truth in this common denominator that we speak of. Sometimes there's an inescapable truth that permeates through the various narratives and is so undeniable that people stop lying to themselves and stop sticking to the narratives and have to acknowledge it. And that issue this time, that issue this time, I will say is the fact that the Atlanta shooter did not use an AR-15. The Atlanta shooter did not use what would be deemed in common nomenclature as nomenclature as a an assault weapon. So there's somewhat of a diminishing argument when you I saw I've seen people they post on their Facebooks and where else and in their speeches politically they say well this shooting AR15 that shooting AR15 this shooting AR15 that shooting AR15 but I say well what about this one and this one just like in my cousin Vinny you forgot about that one and that one that's you know last week wasn't an AR15 the truth is that the AR-15, and again, this is just my reason, right? This is just my power of deduction. This is just trying to understand what's going on, just observing and reporting as to what makes sense. An AR-15 is a popular kind of gun right now, right? It's popular. It's the most publicized. It's marketed. People like it. There's reasons for it. It's a popular gun. If we had an issue with pickup trucks causing problems, it'd probably be that then Ford F-150 constituted most of them because it's a popular truck. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you ban Ford F-150s, they're not going to use another pickup truck. 
AR-15 is just a popular gun. It's a popular gun. So that's what tends to be used in a lot of shootings, but that's not responsible for many of the mass shootings that we take issue with. So there's this focus on AR-15s right now. There's also this focus on assault weapons, but I don't think that that... I think two problems with that. One, it's not going to get us anywhere because gun enthusiasts... There's, and there's two reasons for this, and this needs to be explained. Gun enthusiasts are going to take issue with a ban on a certain type or class of weapon. And there's two reasons for that. The first reason is what everybody likes to attack, that everybody goes to as their go-to, for lack of better terms. Sorry for my ineloquence. Because gun owners like those weapons, and they don't want to lose it themselves. They're legal gun owners. They don't want to lose one of their favorite weapons. They don't think they should be disbarred from using it when they're not committing any crimes. That's the easy one. The second one, the second reason gun enthusiasts are not down with these categorical prohibitions on certain guns is that gun enthusiasts actually know guns, right? And so gun enthusiasts know that the class of weapon and how you classify it, and no matter how you try to draw the lines as nuanced as you want to be, they know that the functionality of the weapon, the functionality of the weapon from the gun that you're not going to ban versus the gun that you do ban is not all that different, and that quick modifications can be made to guns that are not in that class, or that even without modifications to guns not in that class, that the guns are capable of inflicting the same type of damage as the guns they want to ban. So my theory is, and I think it's pretty sound, is that if we were to ban a certain type of gun, the people who were inclined to commit these offenses would simply resort to a different type of gun that was widely available on the market. Because we've seen it. Not every mass shooting that we care about is committed with an AR-15. Several are not, including last week in Atlanta. So if we got rid of one type of gun, it wouldn't necessarily cure our problem. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to diagnose and cure the problem, aren't we? So how would we get from point A to point B, the stated goal, if we just made banning a certain type of weapon our primary objective? A, we wouldn't get much cooperation from people who are gun enthusiasts because of A, the absurdity of the, the law, and B, because of their enthusiasm for the weapon. And C, we're not going to accomplish our goal because I think they just get a different kind of gun. And, and for the record, I didn't always know that. For the record, I'm not – look, I own a handgun. I own a gun, a handgun. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe people should own guns legally. But I didn't know all that. I'm not a gun enthusiast to that level, okay? I'm not one of those people. I'm not somebody who sits up here. Was the AR specifically designed for military use? I'd like to hear a gun-informed person's take on that. I don't know if it was or it wasn't. It doesn't really matter to me, to be honest with you. Because it's still, I don't care. So it was designed for military use. All right. How does that, what does that, how does that fit into what we're talking about? So, so we want to stop gun violence. If you get rid of the type of gun, it doesn't stop gun violence. Last week's gun violence wasn't that gun. So the fact that it was designed for military, it's like saying assault weapon in general, right? Saying assault weapon in general. What does that even mean? What's an assault weapon? Is an assault an attack so isn't every gun by nature an assault weapon what the hell is it it's a weapon weapon assault assault weapon what's the difference 
again, we're harping on things that are like ancillary to the to the conversation we need to have. Right. That's what I'm getting at. So I'm not a gun enthusiast like that. I don't care. I don't need to have an AR-15. I don't need to have a, a rifle. I don't go to the shooting range like that with those rifles. I don't care. I don't think the uh, anybody's going to invade the Atlantic Ocean, come off the Atlantic shore, and I'm going to have to fight them off. I don't think I'm ever going to have a stand against the government of the United States. Okay, I don't. I don't think I need it. I do think I need the pistol for self-defense, and I have it. Right. But my point, in even bringing that up, is that I I learned that about weapons and the categories and the modifications. I learned that from people who were more gun enthusiasts and who did know these things. Because I'm always preaching that I got to admit when I'm wrong and I got to learn from people who know what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, I have to learn from people who know more than me. And zombie apocalypse, perhaps that matters, Siren. I don't know. It's a good point. But (laughs) all jokes aside, look, I learned that from Spafford. He explained it in painstaking detail until I understood. Okay, I get it. The categories are really kind of irrelevant. Once I acknowledged that, I couldn't argue with it because it's fact. Because it's fact. So, anyway, knowing that, I'm thinking, well, what can we do then? What can we do to curb gun violence, right? I think there's two things. There's mental health, because pe- there's far too many people out here with mental health problems who are extremely can be, can be dangerous to themselves, to others. Their, their, their services for them is inadequate. The way that we treat them is inadequate. And every facet this country is failing people with mental health problems. On the other hand, the gun laws in this country are like Swiss cheese. And I don't think we need to broach the subject of type of gun. I think we need to discuss. I think we need to discuss access to guns, right? And I always hear this misnomer. It's always out there and it's a misnomer. This this nonsense. It's the, what I always call kindergarten logic. This kinder logic. Saying, well, Chicago has tight gun laws and there's so many deaths in Chicago and... You know, New Jersey has all these, but look at Newark and blah, blah, blah. It's bad logic, right? I'll tell you why. Number one, that's another thing. Let me hit that before I even move on to the next point. Let me hit this point. Okay. Most of the gun violence in this country, just like what's my other common thread I'm always talking about? The fact that we always ignore the most deaths and the most lost lives in this country where it happens the most. It's a common thread in almost every political issue that people want to be activists about. We ignore death rates in the cities of this country, which are largely people of color, are a lot to do with guns Weapon violence, and most of them are not AR-15s. Most of the guns used in most of the murders and lost lives and violence in this country, day-to-day, day-to-day, are handguns and other more primitive-styled weapons that are not what we would refer to as AR-15s or assault weapons, okay? 
the bulk of the deaths that we see in this country from gun violence are those deaths. Now, if we have the public's ear and we have the politician's ear because of a mass shooting, well, then, of course, we should use their ear and use that mass shooting to enact change. But the change should not just simply counteract mass shootings. The change should also counteract the bulk of the actual gun violence and deaths that we see in this country every day, which are largely perpetrated by guns other than AR-15s and are largely perpetrated in incidences, not mass shootings. If we really want to cure the ill, which is a, it's a disease in this country, a disease, a festering, festering cancer, is this gun violence. If we really want to cure it, we'll enact a cure, a treatment that will hit all of it, the bulk of it, not just the mass shootings. And another thing, mass shootings are hard to predict. And every time a mass shooting comes out, somebody wants to come out and say, well, this particular mass shooting might not have been prevented by this particular idea or by this particular reform. Well, guess what? You can't prevent everything all the time. But the fact is, we have way too many mass shootings. We have way too many regular shootings every day in the streets in this country. We have to do something. That argument is like saying, well, you never prevent every murder, so you might as well not make murder illegal. You might as well not prosecute murder because you'll never prevent murder. It'll still happen. That's a silly, nonsensical argument. We should do as much as we can to get the numbers down and get the death toll down as much as we can so that we're all safer as much as we can. So throw that out the window. So where does that leave me then? Where am I going? Where am I going? Access to guns, access to guns. Daniel, you hit it on the head. Access to guns, access to guns. Guys, I know that, you know, Green and all these other nuts came out after the Colorado shooting. They're like, Colorado has everything the liberals want. A red flag law, background checks. No, 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 no. It's a misnomer, okay? He bought one of the guns he used six days before the shooting in Colorado, okay? Six days the background check is the same background check you get in Jersey. Let me tell you something about Jersey. To get a handgun in Jersey, you got to get a permit to buy a handgun, which is then only good for a couple months. First of all, it takes a month or more to even get it. You got to put references down. And if you have any kind of criminal record, you could pretty much forget about owning a gun because the local police in your town are going to fight you tooth and nail. Let me tell you something. I'm an attorney. I've handled the gun appeals for people who have been denied the permits. And those people fight tooth and nail. But if you have the catch-all provision, which is pretty much almost anything they can find to deny your right to purchase the gun or even to have a firearms permit, you won't get the gun. This guy had a prior assault. It was a misdemeanor, but it was a prior assault. I assure you that in New Jersey, somebody with a prior misdemeanor assault who was 21 years old, who looked and seemed to be as fragile as this guy, in the way the New Jersey processes would not have been able to obtain that gun. So the idea that Colorado had everything we're asking for is a misnomer. It's not true. The red flag law they have in Colorado, let me explain something to you about that. The red flag law means that if you're charged with, with domestic violence, or something. You charge a domestic violence, the, the court can make motion to take your gun away after you've done something that makes you a risk. It's not a preemptive thing. 
it's a post-emptive thing after you already have the gun, right? So they don't. The red flag law in Colorado wouldn't prevent it either. And Daniel says, and he, and not only is he a gun enthusiast, he's a lawyer, and he knows about gun law. He's handled cases like this. He would have been slapped down in New Jersey. Period. Now, I'll tell you something else. Again, I'm not telling you where I get the information. Fact is, fact is. Most of the guns taken off the streets in Chicago, Newark, New York, all these states, I mean, all these cities that are in states or cities that have restrictive gun laws, the majority and a large portion, if not the majority of the weapons taken off the streets that are illegally possessed, illegally possessed are funneled in from states where Buying a gun is much easier than it is in that city or that state. So arguing that restrictive gun laws don't work is also a misnomer. The fact is that the guns are coming from states where it's easier to buy, even in the cities with restrictive gun laws. They're not getting them in Chicago. They're getting them from outside of Chicago. That's a fact. That's a fact. There's a thing called straw buyers. There's completely organized crime operations. I tell you, there's organized criminal operations in this country, and there's a ton of them that specialize, specialize in straw buyers, which are people with clean records who go to other states and they buy a multitude of weapons and they keep shipping them across the border into places like Newark, New Jersey, into places like Camden, New Jersey, into places like Chicago, Illinois. And a lot of these guns are coming from these places. And that's a big, big problem. So what do we need? I'll tell you what we need. We need it to make a universal system for access to guns that is a pain in the ass, in Daniel's words, a pain in the ass that scrutinizes the hell out of somebody who wants to buy a gun. I know people are against tracking it. I understand, but I'm not part of this Manchurian candidate dystopian thing where I think it's going to amount to anything. They register your car. You register guns. You got to keep better track of the guns. If somebody's stockpiling them, you might want to take a look at them. You know, is he is he nuts? What's he been? Is he on extremist things lately? What's his deal? Is he casing a place? What's what's his deal? 21 year old all of a sudden starts stockpiling, you know, armor and, and guns. And that's that's scary. You got to watch out. For, you got to flag them. But it's got to be universal. You got to close gun loopholes. You got to close straw man loopholes. You got to close gun show loopholes and it's got to be uniform on a federal level because state by state's not working guys do you realize that when they legalize marijuana in other states like california and the west coast that states where marijuana is still illegal are flooded not with the leafy green marijuana they're flooded with the oils and the edibles and the gummies and all the things that are coming from other states where the marijuana is legal that's because the differentiation between states in this country Due to the fact that we allow free travel, free commerce throughout the states is really it doesn't amount to anything. So once something's legal in one state, it's going to be easily procured by people in another state. So we've got to have uniform federal laws as far as access to guns. That's that's it. The mental health is a whole nother issue. We need a way more robust mental health system. That's a part of the healthcare debate. That's a big thing. And that's got to be tackled too. Because somebody with a knife is going to stab people. Somebody with a, a homemade bomb, like at the Boston Marathon, is going to kill people. There's other ways to kill people than just guns. So the, the 
mental health issues got to be tackled. But the fact is that guns are easier to acquire. They're easier to inflict violence with. They're easier to use from a distance. So that's got to be tackled, too. And the way to do it is not to worry about the category. The way to do it is to worry about access, access on a federal level. It's got to be a federal law. And what I don't understand with people like Ted Cruz coming out all of a sudden, just right off the bat saying, we're not going to start talking about guns. They always want to talk about guns. Ted, you got to get real. It's a hard thing for Ted Cruz to get real. I understand. I know. Ted Cruz, I mean, geez, we, we know what we're talking about here. But you got to get a federal thing where we can compromise. We're not going to ban a type of gun, but we're got to deal with access. We got to restrict access. We got to. And, and Spafford's come up with other things, too, like liability for owners, uh, criminal charges for owners who don't properly secure their guns, things like that. You know, you, you get dicey after that. You get dicey after that where you're talking about, you know, what about people in their household who are unstable, things like that. You know, but you, you got to get there. We get into dicey things. But here's my thing with with. And I was very good at compromise. I was very good at negotiations. In my first job, when I worked in Patterson, New Jersey, I want to get back to that one day. Look, some things can be shelved for now, okay? You want to talk about carry permits? There's pros and cons. I don't want to get into that yet. Shelve it for now, okay? Let the states do what they do as of now. Let the states dictate who gets permits, who doesn't, okay? You want to talk about magazine capacity? You know, if you lowered the magazine capacity, would it be harder to kill more people at once? Yeah, but let's shelve that too, right? Because because most people who are obtaining magazines are buying it legally. So why are we penalizing them? Let me tell you something. There are plenty of people in Newark, New Jersey, who illegally have extended capacity mags regularly. Extended capacity mags walking around that they obtained illegally. Now, would they be able to do that if it was a federal law? No, but that's a different thing. Let's not broach it yet. Let's just do what we agree on. And why are, are our politicians so inept at doing things that seem feasible, that are logical, that could get us a solution to our problems? Aren't there – isn't their job to, to diagnose our problems and fix it? If they're not going to fix it, then what the hell are they doing? Now, look, just for – just to prove that I'm not coming out of nowhere with this, that I'm not being silly, okay? I'm going to read to you in order all 50 states, okay? This is their gun death rates per 100,000 people. All 50 states, okay? I'm going to read them out loud. Take note of them. Listen to the way that the list evolves. Remember, the... Major cities in every state get a lot of publicity. Chicago, Newark, they get a lot of publicity because there's the most people there. There's the most strife. There's the most poverty. They get the most publicity. Okay, but as a whole, the states are different, right? I knock on wood. I'm not really scared of people. Well, you know, in my city, there's a lot of gun violence, but in New Jersey at large. There's not a whole lot of gun violence that pops off all the time, okay? We have very restrictive gun laws as far as access. But there's people listening right now who own pretty serious weapons that some would consider, quote, assault weapons. Yet New Jersey still doesn't have such a crazy, crazy gun problem outside of those cities where most of the guns, again, are handguns purchased from outside New Jersey. Let me read you. These are the states. So the first state has the most gun violence per 100,000. 
And the last state has the least gun violence per 100,000. Let me read you these states. If you don't believe that access is important, let me read you these states, okay? Here they are. One, Alaska. Two, Louisiana. Three, Alabama. Four, Mississippi. Five, Montana. Six, Wyoming. Seven, Arkansas. Eight, Oklahoma. Nine, New Mexico. Ten, Tennessee. Eleven, Missouri. Twelve, South Carolina. 13, West Virginia, 14, Nevada, 15, Kentucky, 16, Arizona, 17, Georgia, 18, Idaho, 19, Florida, 20, North Carolina, 21, Indiana, 22, Colorado, 23, Kansas, 24, Oregon, 25, Michigan, 26, Utah, 27, Pennsylvania, 28, Texas, 29, North Dakota, 30, Ohio, 31, Virginia, 32, Vermont, 33, Maryland, 34, Delaware, 35, South Dakota, 36, Maine, 37, Washington, 38, Illinois, 39, Wisconsin, 40, Nebraska, 41, New Hampshire, 42, California, 43, Iowa, 44, Minnesota, 45, Connecticut, 46, New Jersey, 47, New York, 48, Rhode Island, 49, Massachusetts, 50, Iowa, Hawaii. This is highest to lowest. Highest to lowest, okay? Highest to lowest. Now, gun-related homicides is a little different because the cities are going to play a role here. This is just homicides, okay? Number one, Louisiana. Number two, Mississippi. Number three, Alabama. Number four, Missouri. Number five, Maryland. Number six, South Carolina. Number seven, Tennessee. Number eight, Arkansas. Number nine, Illinois. Number 10, Georgia. 11, Michigan. 12, Delaware. 13, Oklahoma. 14, North Carolina. 15, Florida. 16, New Mexico. 17, Indiana. 18, Pennsylvania. 19, Arizona. 20, Ohio. 21, Nevada. 22, Texas. 23, Alaska, 24, Kentucky, 25, California, 26, Virginia, 27, Kansas, 28, West Virginia, 29, New Jersey, 30, Colorado, 31, Nebraska, 32, Connecticut, 33, New York, 34, Wisconsin, 35, Washington, 36, Oregon, 37, Montana, 38, Wyoming, 39, Massachusetts, 40, Rhode Island, 41, Minnesota, 42, Utah, 43, Iowa, 44, Idaho, 45, South Dakota, 46, North Dakota, 47, Maine, 48, Vermont, 49, New Hampshire, 50, Hawaii. Hawaii, one of the most liberal states, culturally different too, though, is last on both lists. Now, the homicide rates were a little different, but but pick, think about this. States that were more moderately high in that list, that were low on the other list, that are more restrictive with guns, have much more populated cities within them. So then take this stat. With that gun homicide statistic, with homicides, homicides disproportionately affect communities of color. For example, while black Americans represent around 15 percent of the population in Michigan and New Jersey, they account for more than 74 percent of gun homicides victims in those states. 
So those major cities I told you about skew it too, because in New Jersey, per capita, you're not getting a lot of gun violence, but in the cities you are, but the cities are disproportionately poverty stricken and they're disproportionately getting guns from out of state. And still the highest gun homicide rates are Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Missouri, Maryland, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas. Okay? So this idea that gun laws don't work or that the states with less gun control have less gun crime is completely false. And I'm not saying that to say, screw your guns, let's get rid of guns. I'm saying that to say, if I got a neighbor who owns an AR-15 in Jersey, yet Jersey's not at the top of the list, why is the AR-15 the problem? But if Jersey has low gun violence and low gun homicides per capita and low gun deaths per capita, and by the way, that's just homicides, when the person actually dies. When you go to gun violence, it goes back again. And most of those southern red states are at the top of the list. Why is the AR-15 the problem and not the access laws in the state? In New Jersey, you could never walk in and decide I'm going to kill somebody and get a gun in six days. You have to get a gun permit. Then you got to get a purchase to permit a handgun, all these other things. But you, in Jersey, all the illegal guns are out there because they're getting them from Pennsylvania and Kentucky and North Carolina. You know how many guns come off the street in Newark and they come back stolen from North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky? A lot come from Appalachia. So we can fix this problem. See, this bad news is that it's an epidemic, right? Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. It's an absolute epidemic. The bad news, too, is that the epidemic is inflicting communities that we rarely even pay mind to, right? Every day I post, and I know I keep going back to this, and you're probably sick and tired of me saying it to you. You're sick of it. But the fact is, every day there's gun deaths in this country in largely communities and incidences where nobody pays it any mind. But that's the bulk of the deaths. That's the bulk of the death. So the, the, the epidemic of violence. And in Newark, our mayor has said that violence and street crime and crime in general is a health issue. And I think it is. It's a health issue. There's communities that are suffering from exponentially higher rates of violence than other communities. And we barely pay them mind. And we only pay mind to the mass shootings. And then when we pay mind to the mass shootings, we only want to hone in on, is it race? Is it terrorism? Is it an AR-15? Let's attack the entire problem and we can do that. We can attack the entire problem by discussing access to weapons. There is a way forward. That's the good news. There is a way forward to fix this problem. And I think we can get there if we just start getting rational, if we just start getting logical, if we just start doing what our God-given brains enable us to do and start talking about how to fix our problems, we can save lives. You know what we could save lives? We could save black lives. I'll tell you that, we could save black lives. If you care about black lives, then you should be on board with this. And if you care about any life, the random life of the police officer killed in Colorado, the random life of the women who were executed in Atlanta, the random lives of the people just shopping for groceries in Colorado who will never see their loved ones again, who will never participate in their communities again, 
if you care about the lives of any of those people, then you should be on board with these solutions. We can compromise. We can find common ground. The solutions are available to us. Now, when we talk about Congress, that's where it gets dicey, right? Because I've long been somebody who's said, I've long been somebody who's said that the filibuster was necessary because it prevented whimsical populism in the Senate, right? But but the problem seems to be that w- even with infrastructure, with immigration, with this gun issue, there seems to be an impasse where it seems like the Republicans for right now, it seems like they're not going to get on board with anything that's proposed. And we can't just sit here stagnating for the rest in, in perpetuity and not tackling our problems ever when compromises are available to us. And that makes me wonder, at some point, do they have to axe the filibuster? Do they have to axe the filibuster and just move ahead? You know what they could do if they axe the filibuster? They could get weapons reform. They could get rid of gerrymandering, which wouldn't just hurt Republicans. That would hurt both sides. It would be the partisanship would go way down. Moderates would win way more seats if we got rid of gerrymandering. And then maybe we'd have more solutions, more compromise, if we weren't so stuck on that. I'm reading a comment. Sorry. See? See, interesting. Interesting that that Daniel just brought that up. But look, yeah, but see, look, Devo, that's the thing. They would. They would change it all back. But who's to say that they're not going to ask the filibuster themselves next time they have power? They did it with the Supreme Court. And and another thing, if they were to ask the filibuster and then enact gerrymandering laws, anti-gerrymandering laws, and enact voting rights laws, then chances are with all the, the, the legitimate votes that would come in and all the moderate candidates on the left and the right that would win seats all of a sudden, there wouldn't be enough people to just flip it all back. Once they changed it, all the, the, the representatives would be more representative of logical, rational, centrist people in this country. And it would be more representative of the populace itself and the populace's ideologies. And then maybe there wouldn't be the will with the newly elected people via those laws to switch it back. It's just a thought. I'm not saying I completely agree with it. I'm not saying axe the filibuster. I'm just throwing it out there. Because at some point, at some point, we've got to, we've got to get to a solution. And see, Devo, I appreciate that. That's where we're at. That's where I'm at. And thank you for that stat, by the way, RK, which I'm guessing is Rick Crampy. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Just seeing the tone, the commentary, I think it's Rick. I don't know. Um, yeah, see, I knew it. See, I'm pretty good. at. I know you guys. <laughs> You're my friends, you know. Um, look, yeah, share this podcast when it's done, too, by the way. Share the podcast because we're sharing knowledge. More people should hear these things. These are things we're thinking about. These are things we're pondering. Let's discuss these things that are going on. I think there's a lot to be said. You guys said a lot in the comments, too, which uh, was fruitful and uh, and I think was informative and added to the conversation. But sometimes it's good to uh, sometimes it's good to get people on the phone. What is this I'm seeing in here? Oh, so they're they arrested a state rep trying to get into the chamber where the governor was signing the restrictive voting legislation that's that's a shame that's another issue too i mean at what point do we say that look we've we've laid out our respective positions to the american public we've laid out our platforms they know who we are 
and they are going to choose, you know, who we, who they want to represent them. And, and voting should be as robust as possible. Democracy should be as robust as possible. At what point do we stop trying to minimize and restrict the amount of people who can vote? At what point do we stop trying to make it harder to vote and instead make it easier to vote? I'd like to know that. You know, I mean, these voting laws are, are they're an issue. And, you know, on the one hand, you have the Voting Rights Act, which the Supreme Court struck down a portion of it that had long been a longstanding foundation of our Congress, had always renewed it. Um, and now all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, a state by state issue. The Supreme Court struck down part of it. You know, you have them trying to push at the feds now with Joe Biden and new, you know, a kind of a new Voting Rights Act. You have individual states trying to restrict voting. Um, and, and it's not as simple. They try to market it as, well, it's just an ID. Everybody needs an ID for everything. But it's not that simple. Like certain IDs, like hunting IDs or IDs that are more conducive to Republican or conservative voters are allowed, whereas IDs that are more conducive to Democratic voters are disallowed and illegitimate. So if you really delve into the different um, nuanced aspects of these laws, you'll find that they are problematic. And so that's another issue to really look at, because overall, like when I talk about the solutions with gun violence and I talk about the solutions with gun access, you know, one of the most important things about it that I, I'm constantly harping on, and all of us seem to generally agree, that we're all kind of harping on, is this idea that we want compromise and we want rational, logical solutions to our problems. And we're done with the partisan bickering. And we want to move forward in constructive ways, right? And the way that we do that is to get in a, a representative, you know, Congress in there that that has the wide array of interests and perspectives that we have and that is interested in solving problems. And when you restrict voting and you gerrymander, when you restrict voting and you gerrymander, what you do is you you negate our ability to do that because you're 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 funneling more and more partisan people into office and you're encouraging more partisan obstructive behavior because that's the incentive to keep getting reelected by a hyper partisan electorate in a hyper partisan district and that disincentivizes the solutions that we're discussing that we're talking about it completely disincentivizes those things. So we need to get to a place where we're, our election mechanisms and our democratic mechanisms get us to a place where we have a Congress that is more conducive and wants to facilitate solutions rather than doubling down on problems, doubling down on creating and, you know, reinforcing misleading narratives so, you know, and yeah, Dan, I hear you on that one. Look, I mean, I think we're mostly on the same page on this one. So we don't need always to call in and get into it one way or the other if that's not where we're at. 
and that's fine. I mean, I could just kick it with you guys for a little while, go over what we what we're thinking, discuss it. And if we're on the same page, then we've kind of reached a good productive place on the podcast. And at that point, it's like, yo, we kicked it on Thursday night. We listened to some good music. We talked. And at that point, share the podcast. You know, at that point, share the podcast and let other people hear what we're thinking and what we're talking about and get it around. And by the way, I did see it was funny. I saw somebody say, oh, I'm looking for good podcasts." This was in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I didn't want to say listen to my podcast because it's you know pretentious. I wasn't going to do that. But then I saw Mr. Spafford say, hey, look, it's a little left. But listen to this podcast. You know, I think you'll get something from and I appreciated that and I respected that. That was cool. That was cool because we got to be sharing this stuff, especially with people who would, you know, um, especially people who, who would get something from it and who participate. And if the person that Spaff uh, gave it to is a cool person who's super logical, who I think is going to get something from it. So I hope they're listening at some point. But yeah, that, that's what we're doing. We're vibing, guys. And then obviously we have other endeavors, too. The music's coming soon, and Spafford knows about that. He doesn't quite know what I'm going to hit him with yet, but he's ready. I know he is. Um, and we're going to come out with other stuff like that. But, yeah, the voting rights is another issue. I think what I'll do in the coming weeks, since we have this new platform, is get a panel together. And, I, you know, I think maybe a couple panels, especially because it can't just be me talking every week, especially on a slow news week. This wasn't a slow news week. This was a more, you know, a more robust news week. There was a topic that we really needed to be discussed. Um, but in the coming weeks, maybe get some panels together about different topics. It looks like you could have up to at least four different callers at once on this app. So I think we'll arrange a panel and really delve into some of these issues. It could be really beneficial to everybody. Uh, I just want to say going out about this shooting last week and this week, I... I subtly call people out when I get on the narrative thing and I, you know, wait, Devo, you don't think it'll go over well? You mean, oh, you mean the sirens idea or the panel idea that I want to hear. Um, but I think, um, you know, I call people out about the things like I say, oh, you're only contributing because it's this narrative. And then when the shooting happened this week, I just put something subtle out like, you know, oh, I don't see this or whatever. And people, people flock to it. Because I think people are like, ah, oh, man, you know, he, he kind of makes some sense. So, you know. Oh, I see. I see, Devo. I see what you're saying. But look, you got to call people out for that. I see you guys calling people out. We, we just got to think. And we got to grow this thing. And just so everybody knows, I know I've said it before. I've mentioned it. I've got a YouTube channel that's already registered. It's ready to go. It's happening. Um, and so... There will be a Logic and Larry YouTube, but we'll put other content on there, too. And it won't just be necessarily me doing editorials. Um, it'll also be a place where, you know, I get some of your guys' opinions. We do some other joint, you know, releases. We kind of delve into and embrace the community we have here and get into different ideas and different things. Um, that's a good idea, Siren. I didn't even think of that. Where should I post it? Should it should be the, I guess, the Logic and Larry Facebook page or my private Facebook. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll post it both at the end of every episode. You know what I'll do? When I release the episode, the recording of the episode every week, 
I will list the playlist as part of that, you know, preamble that I put. Like this week we discussed yada yada. I'll post the playlist as part of that and I'll post the playlist in the description of every show. And then it's also a spot where everybody could discover some dope music, which, hey, that's part of the show too. The music, I get the music ready for you guys every week. Every week I hear songs that I'm like, yo, I got to put that on the playlist. I got to put this on the playlist. And then I, I sit and I really put work into getting the music together, putting it in order and setting up the vibe. So it's a good idea, Siren. I love the idea of putting the playlist out every week. And I'll do that too. Just so people can kind of, if you like a song, find it. It'll be in order. Download the song and rock with it. We got a call. We got a call here. You're on the air. This is the Logic and Larry podcast. Who we got? Larry, it's Mark. Mark, what's up, brother? Mullen, how you doing, pal? I'm doing good. Where are you calling from? I, I'm guessing. Is it Red Bank? Red Bank. Okay. What's up, brother? Nothing. You got to forgive me. I'm, I'm walking the dog. <laughs> it started to rain, and she doesn't really like it too much. So <laughs> got you. Time to go. Got so you. Just, just bear with me here. No problem. Um, but, uh, no, uh, I, I mean, Rick expected me to call. Right. Um, so I couldn't disappoint him. <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know what? I really didn't have anything. I don't really have anything to push back on. Right. Um, you and I seem to be pretty much on the same page about this. Um, which is great. Yes. Um, it's not too different from the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to touch on one aspect okay. that you didn't bring up. Okay. And I think we have to we have to have this discussion and it has to be clarified before any real discussion or change can occur on like a wide scale basis. Gotcha. So I've been on Facebook, I don't know if you saw any of the you know, the stuff. Um but there's a, a growing or a large, I don't know about growing, but a large faction of people mm-hmm. who don't believe that the Second Amendment confers an individual right. Ah, yes. So if so, so everything, you know, pro-gun, for lack of a better term, yes. is moot to them. Yes. Because they don't consider it to be an individual right. They consider Heller to be a aberration right um, right you know a push by the nra push by uh you know the federalist society uh, yes whatever. you know this is a good point motivated hit job okay? yes yes and so i mean and that may all well be true right but you know so many so many people don't have a historical perspective on it right and you know if you look back you know obviously the second amendment is the, the second one in the list, number one. <laughs> right, yes. Um, you know, so that, 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 that might be a big deal. You know, they didn't put it at the end. Madison <laughs> thought it should be up near the top. I think it's a big deal because um, you know my thoughts on the First Amendment, which I'm always talking about. So, yes, I think it's a big deal, yes. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the First Amendment. Right. So there's, there's three, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, mm-hmm. there's three or four instances where – Madison used the words, the right of the people. Right. So he used it in the first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He used it mm-hmm. in the second. Mm-hmm. He used it in the fourth. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I think there's one other. Is it the ninth? Ah, uh, I, I don't Can even. Yeah, I can't, bro. You call make it, but I, I actually can't off the top of my head that he used that one. Oh. I know those three. 
But Hello? yeah, you there? We lose him? Yeah, you there? I could hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, hold on. Shit. Let me call him back. There, there we go. Sorry, bro. I think something happened with the computer. I could hear you. You couldn't hear me. That's okay. What, what, what did you hear last? I just heard you. So you were you were referencing that it was used several places in some, some of the most important amendments, the right of the people. Correct. Oh, right. So you, so you got most. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so, I mean, and correct, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Every major Supreme Court case right. in our history has affirmed the right of the people, the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, to confer an individual right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes. Because, yes. So, it's, it's all about individual rights to a large extent. It's defense. I agree. Yeah. The, the Bill of Rights, you know this, but just for the listeners, I mean, the Bill of Rights was comprised – primarily by people as a compromise to those who were scared of a centralized government. It was conferred as rights of the people as against the oppression of the government. Now, we can always, you know, change and adapt and whatever, but that's what it was. I mean, that's the that's a fact. That's why the fourth, fifth and sixth are so important as to criminal defendants. And they're so they're very important, too. That's what it was. We you and I know that I think most people do. But if they didn't, I mean, that's what that's what the Bill of Rights is. Yes. And the, the anti federalists wouldn't ratify the Constitution without it. A hundred percent, yes. Okay. So so there's this mental gymnastics that goes on both between the public and between uh, some jurists that the language of the right of the people, while it absolutely confers an individual right in the First and the Fourth Amendments, that it right. doesn't confer an individual right in the Second Amendment. Right. So therefore, so therefore, you and I, Daniel, the director, nobody has a right to a gun individually, no matter what type it may be. Right, and that's an inconsistency, obviously, in that interpretation. Yeah, right. right. Obviously, but but the general public, especially the the public that leans against these type of things, they take that. There's these articles. Someone posted a. Uh, an article from a uh, professor at uh, Boston University that, that stated that uh, that it, you know it confers no individual right, and there was some some shoddy uh, I don't know if on purpose or otherwise uh, history behind it. Um, right. So I, I just wanted to touch on that because you know for a lot of people this is a moot issue because they just say, well, it says militia, so. You know, yeah, not I, to mention that when, well, not to mention when it was drafted, the militia was you, me, the guy down the street. You know, I mean that definition's changed over time, but yeah. But what I think is, I think we should drill in on that because I know you and I agree. I think we've talked about it. If we haven't, I know we agree on it. The fact is that I think the primary reason that people don't recognize it as an individual right is they get they misconstrue that militia language, and I think. When you break down, when Heller breaks it down, Scalia did, and you really delve into what that preamble kind of, you know, part of the sentence means, the amendment is, when they say a well-regulated militia being necessary, what was the exact word? The well-regulated militia being necessary to the... To the <laughs> thank you. What that means, that preamble, there was this constant, you know, ideological fight at the time between 
a standing army versus a well-regulated militia of the people. So the, the language, that language was attempting to put into context the reason for the amendment, which actually bolsters the argument that it's an individual right for each person to own a gun. People misconstrue that language so often. When they say well-regulated militia, they don't mean a well-regulated group of professionals being necessary to the security of a free state. What they mean is... In the perpetual argument at the time, the overarching umbrella argument of the time of militia versus standing army, we go with the militia, which means we go with an armed populace of people who can defend themselves against enemies foreign and domestic as opposed to a professional standing army. Therefore, People needing to be able to quickly form a militia of the people being necessary to a free state, every person has to have a gun and has the right to have a gun. That's what the clause means in the context of when it was written. And I think a lot of people don't know that. No, of course they don't, because they don't understand what the militia really that, that They're talking, they were like you said, they were talking the Minutemen. They were talking a guy who was plowing his field, and the church right. bell went off, and right. threw the plow down and grabbed his rifle, right. and started running. Yes, yes, you know? that's and exactly that's exactly what they mean. Perspective. Yes, they said that's exactly what they mean. Yes. Yeah, but for most people don't understand that, and they and they also don't understand the the history of it. I mean, that was that came from English common law in the 1630s, I think it was. Um, were, were, and they and they spelled it out for defense. They had no militia clause. Right. Um, that, you know, they, they simply said for, for defense. And even at that time, firearms laws were restrictive and they weren't racist, but they were uh, discriminatory because when they wrote that, they said that applied only to Protestants in England. Yeah, well, listen, and you know it was discriminatory. And to that point, I just want to make another point, which a buddy of mine who's a black man, a buddy of mine, very, a guy I respect a lot, kind of like a little older than me and kind of showed me the ropes on some things. And he's since moved out of state, but he's my buddy from Newark for a long time. He sent me something today about a militia that's forming uh, a black militia, uh, primarily in the South. And they've had demonstrations and they've marched and they're nonviolent. Like they're not trying to initiate attacks or anything, but they're arming themselves, you know, as against these perceived domestic terrorist white militias. And he's yeah, yes. And he showed it to me as like, yo, what do you think? And I was like, it's more black Americans should own legal firearms and be protected and and enforce their rights. And just the reason I bring that up is when you talk about the discriminatory history, one of the biggest cases that was a problem in, in, in U.S. constitutional law that for a lot of reasons was discriminatory and thwarted the civil rights and, and, and led to Jim Crow was the Crookshank decision. And the Crookshank decision was problematic because it restricted the rights of individuals to own guns because the individuals in question at that time were African-Americans. And the fact is that during Reconstruction, as you well know, African-Americans used the Second Amendment right to bear arms to enforce their right to vote 
to participate in the political process, to defend themselves. And Reconstruction, while it lasted in the South until it was, you know, ignored by Johnson and then we had Jim Crow, was successful in enforcing the rights of African-Americans. And so the Second Amendment has this other history where it's protected African-Americans and it's been interpreted to be more restrictive to harm African-Americans and less restrictive to help. So this nuanced history is, is just not well discussed today, I don't think, but it's important. So it's not known. Right, it's just not known. You know, you know, they're not pumping that out on CNN. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're not pumping out how, uh, you know, uh, black abolitionists in the, in the North use guns to do exactly what you said. Right. And, you know, Nat Turner in the South was right. know, put down right. for, you know, for, for having guns. Right. They're not. They don't delve into it. But it's I think if people understood more of that nuanced history and especially that militia language, we'd have a different conversation to that end. All week when I said I kind of finally made inroads with some people more on the left, they came right out with the AR-15. The first thing I said was, well, what about last week? And then second thing I said was this militia language. Let's break it down. And they did start to listen a little bit. So maybe we can make inroads here. And you guys that are gun enthusiasts, you've been listening for most of the time. Like, hey, don't take my type of gun. And I'm down with the access because I have one in Jersey. So what do I care? You know? Well, that's the other thing. So you talked about type. And I'm on the same page with you as far as type and all that. And it's it's stupid to try to segregate them. Right. Um, and I had a discussion with someone earlier. <clears throat> They're like, you know, the AR-15 was specifically designed, you know, to kill humans. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, most guns are designed to kill people or animals. Yes. One. Yes. And, um, you know, like, you know, half the, you know, you were referencing mass shootings earlier. Right. Half of the deadliest, I looked it up the other day, half of the deadliest mass shootings in the United States involved no semi-automatic rifles. Right. 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 They involve pistols, mm-hmm. they involve shotguns, mm-hmm. and bolt-action rifles. Mm-hmm. Well, and obviously yes. no one, I mean, not no one, but <laughs> a lot of people have never shot a shotgun. Yes. I mean, that thing is, I mean, under 30, 40 yards, that mm-hmm. thing is devastating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no, you're not coming home from that. No. You know, you get shot with an AR-15, you know, you got a good chance. Right, because it's know, one bullet. You're shot. Yes. But that shotgun, I mean, a double-up buckshot from a 12-gauge shotgun, that's nine pellets mm-hmm. that are twice the size of each AR-15 bullet. Mm-hmm. So you get hit with that, and you're you're done. But no one's talking about banning shotguns. You know, that's the absurdity of it. That You know, that's, that's this narrative thing that we get into, like bogged down into that we're always talking about. It doesn't even necessarily prevent the carnage or the or the problem. And and to your point about handguns, I don't I didn't have it at, at, at hand today, but there's statistics on that. I mean, handguns are by far, by far the number one killer of people in this country. Handguns. Because most of the violence. 90%. Yeah, 85, 90%. And no one's talking about that. So we get misled when we start going down this path of gun type. It, it's 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 virtually irrelevant, really, to the problem in the country, I, I, I'd say. Yeah, but, but, but see, Larry, it's not. Uh, I agree with you to the extent that it's irrelevant to the problem. Right. But it's not irrelevant to people who want to get rid of guns, period. Right. Right. Because, okay, we'll start off with the scary rifle. Right. 
and then let's get rid of all that. Right. So then when the next lunatic takes his gut shotgun to Walmart right. and blows 10 people away, oh, well, the shotgun's got to go. Right. I see what and you're saying. The, and then when the next Virginia Tech kid kills 25 people with a Glock, oh, uh, we got to get rid of handguns. So that's right. why so many people, including myself, don't really, aren't really too apt to really see much ground right. politically. Right. Right. Because we, you know, you know where that's going from the very. It's a, it's the same that we talk about politics. You have the extreme left and the extreme right. So you have the extreme pro gun, extreme anti gun, and and that's what it is. Right. No, I, I hear you. And I think there's compromise to be made in like a, a mental health issue plus the access laws on a federal level that we can reach and shelve the stuff that there's disagreements on. But, you know, I got to be honest with you. I think and part I'm, of the. And I'm with you on that. I know. Right. I'm 100% with you on that. So is Daniel. I know. But, but see, that's not what the talking heads. Yep. And the, and the, and the lunatics, the, the political lunatics want. Yep. I agreed. And I was going to get to that. I think. Yeah. I think, to my overall point that I'm always harping on, they don't want it because the narrative and the divisiveness and the fighting over these misnomer points gets them reelected in these extreme gerrymandered nonsense, hyperpartisan districts in this hyperpartisan atmosphere. If they dared talked about what we just talked about and came to such a quick solution and agreement, they would lose their political capital to go out and fundraise and pound the table and cause trouble. So they want to stick to not doing anything and ban assault weapons because they keep their perpetual re-election power up. And that's a disgrace. Of course. Of course. That's the, that, I mean, that's 100% I agree with you. And to me and you, that's Connect Four, but some people, that's like chess. They don't understand. It, but, <laughs> they don't. You know, right. what, would, what would Diane Feinstein have to talk about if she got an assault ban? Right. What would Lindsey Graham have to talk about if, if there was no more guns? Right, right. Right. What what this this and, and it keeps them fundraising because you have organizations that want to ban things that keep funding the more anti-gun people, gun control. I say pro-gun control. You want to be politically correct. And then there's the people that are just anti-anything or scared. I'll tell you the truth. I've met in anecdotal. I know anecdotal. I know. And I'm sure there's nuts out there don't want to do anything. We've seen them in politics. We know certain organizations don't want to do anything. The gun manufacturers, I don't think want to do anything because the more guns in the market, black market or not, they're selling them. But anecdotally, I've met very few gun enthusiasts who are not for most of the reforms that I put forth tonight. I've met very, very few gun enthusiasts who are not for that. So I don't even know if you could blame gun enthusiasts for the anti-control measures because gun enthusiasts abide by the law and they don't seem to be averse to making people abide by laws that they do, especially in maybe this state. But I don't know. I mean, I haven't met a lot of gun enthusiasts who are who are unreasonable, to be honest. Seems like they get a bad rap. I'm the, I'm the most hardcore guy I think you got on this podcast on that end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I'm not opposed to it. Right. So what I am opposed to is banning, like you said, banning classes of weapons. Right. Saying that one day eleven rounds is too many, and then the next day ten is too many. Right. 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 And and they 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 do seem to keep going in certain states, and I don't think it. Again, people have extended mags in Jersey. Okay, they just people that obtained them illegally. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. (laughs) And it bothers people. And I and I and I and I I agree and I understand it 100 percent. 
And I, I do, I do. I think that's what the that's what's funny when it was like open it to calls and Rick's like, who's gonna call? And you guys are like, well, I mean, we pretty much are all on the same page, right? What do we even? What do we? But you did add a lot with that call because it's just things we didn't touch on that are important to get across. And I think when we share this podcast, people should hear all of that too because it, it's all relevant, a hundred percent. Yes, and I had to say it because I don't think we can have, and that's what I said to this guy I was talking about on Facebook earlier mm-hmm. about it. I don't think we can have a genuine and honest debate and potentially a law or laws right. if we're not really talking about the truth here, but just political hyperbole being yes. spewed by the Daily Wire and CNN. <laughs> it's all that it is, and it's it's exhausting. I'll tell you, I pretty much zone out from the news Unless it's a hot button issue, then I try to research from the best sources I can and then talk to you guys on the podcast. Because if I get bogged down in arguments on Facebook and watch the talking heads, I'll rip my hair out. Because all it is is negativity and hyperpartisan nonsense to just keep generating clicks and anger because it helps their ratings. It's, it's just a sham. No, I agree. Yeah. But like I said, you know, if, if we're not having – I mean I don't know. Most people maybe I, – I generally, because I'm a student of it. Yes. I care about history and, and you know, the context of it, you right. know, and, and not just, uh, you know, the, the Second Amendment per se, but like, you know, when people, they, like we've talked about this before, like these, like these liberal ideas that, you know, if you just do this, we're going to have Shangri-La. Yes, like, yes, yes. Human nature, it does dictate you're never going to get that. I totally agree with that. So you know I do. So let's have an honest conversation from a psychological and a historical standpoint, and then maybe we can get somewhere in the middle. A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. One hundred percent. Mark, well, I, I, I know yeah. you. Agree. I know you agree. I'm just trying to influence Rick. <laughs> and Rick's Rick's point is that he says the Vegas shooting could not have happened with handguns or shotguns. But remember, my point was. You're not going to prevent every – I mean, okay, so the Vegas shooting wouldn't happen without handguns or shotguns. Now, maybe that guy, would he have fallen through the cracks with my access laws? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But you're not going to prevent everything. I mean, but but answer me this, Mark, because you – see if you know this. So say you ban the classes they want to ban. Based on what you know, could the guy have modified something else widely available on the market to still achieve the carnage in Vegas? Well, let's put it this way, Larry. Yeah. Um. First of all, you can modify anything. Yes. You can turn you can turn a handgun into a fully automatic weapon with a few minor modifications. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Se- second problem. Second problem is we have the internet. Right. So yes. Ev- so everything is available on the internet. Every schematic. Mm-hmm. Every you know. Think about it. When it, it, people don't have the resources of the time or the wherewithal, but like, if you go on like. Uh, you know, the Defense Department website. Yes. They procure all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bids and things like that. There's schematics in that. If you download or Freedom of Information Act, right. there's schematics right after this crap. Right. So if you've got a CNC machine and yes. a little time, or, you know, or you're a little, you know, uh, uh, tech savvy, uh, good with your hands, I'm not very good with my hands, uh, you can make all this crap. Yes. 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 Like so you can't yes. Get rid of it. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So like talk, yes. And like you talked about pickup trucks earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not a, a, a weekly occurrence like it is here, but look at what happened in Nice. 
Yes. The guy mowed everybody down. I yes. Mean, you're on Broad Street in Newark at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah. How many people could you kill with a dump truck? So, you know you could kill, oh, you know you could kill to 100 people. If, at least. At least, because if you're going up and down on Broad Street and they can't get to you when they, when they respond, I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Even if they can get to you, they can't stop a dump truck yeah, or a garbage no. truck. Right. Right. No, I agree. You that that Yes. That. Yes. I, but but wouldn't it make to me stop? You know, maybe you don't catch every guy, but flagging a guy at all for getting access to firearms is going to be more effective than banning a type because if he's got any kind, he can modify it. If he can't get anything, it's harder. Yeah, go for it. Knock on my door right now. I'll let you in. I'll give you something to drink. You can look around. Knock yourself out. Right. Right. No. No. See, I I agree. I think I understand that there's the. People almost want the focus on the that weapon though, because you got to remember too. People are people become, and it's not necessarily a negative thing or criticizing people, but people become, you know, as part of their identity, kind of married, for lack of a better term, to their political thread. So if they've been saying for so long it's assault weapons, or if they've been saying for so long this or that with any issue, not just weapons, they they don't. It's hard to let that go, even when you're presented with some evidence to the contrary and so and i'm not saying rick's doing this i think rick's playing playing contrarian but, huh i said they picked the hill they want to die on it no matter what. yeah and i don't think rick's doing i think rick's trying to just throw in devil's advocate stuff just to make us think but uh, i like to just bust this shop yeah but i think people do that and that's we got to stop that too like i said i learned a lot of this stuff from from dan from you and then i it's factual so what am i gonna do this was years ago am i gonna do like oh no I just don't believe that. No, it's like, oh, shit, damn, okay, so that really wouldn't help. Okay, so what can we do? I mean, we got to get more like that. I know you agree, but, you know. I do, but we're the minority. <laughs> Unfortunately. But, hey, this podcast is growing and people are growing. I see people out there fighting the good fight. So, you know, Bill Maher's been even fighting the good fight against some of the woke stuff. And I think maybe people are getting sick of the nonsense. And maybe, maybe there's a glimmer of hope to get more rational and stop with the partisan crap. But we'll can see. I tell you something? I love Bill Maher. Yeah, well, you also people don't, might not know this from your gun talk, but like you've been like a Democrat for a long time, and you're you're I know you're neutral, but you're not like a, a righty who wouldn't like Bill Maher, so it's kind of interesting, you know. No, but but, but, but so is JFK. We right. Got away from that. Right. We somehow it got lost in translation. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, by today's standards, JFK is the right of Donald Trump. Right. Which is which is which is pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's going nuts with the with the left. At so, this where, point. so where do me, you, and Joe Manchin fit in today? Right. Well, Joe Manchin is he's he's all about infrastructure, which I can't friggin' wait. But other than that, he's he's scolded and cast out a lot for not jumping on every far left agenda. Good. So let's build some bridges. Yes. Let's keep the filibuster and let's keep it moving. I let's hope go. they do. I want this tunnel. I want I want some in, some newer trains because this Newark Penn Station is you know what it is. I want it revamped. I want some some better trains. I want to stop these delays. It's going to be a destination, which is fine. I'm happy with yeah, that. Yeah, you know me. That's what I want. Damn it! But well, you don't want to dodge bums in the locked doors in the middle of the night. You want dude, to be like a you know Grand Central Station in the twenties. Yeah, I think you you know me well, and you know my philosophy, and you know Essex County so damn well. But yeah, I remember I posted that because I get off the train at twelve o'clock, and everything's locked, and the cops are standing there with their arms folded like it's an occupation, and that's not welcoming. It's not good for us. Comment, Larry, but I'm watching. Yeah, you you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> 
You know it's coming. You said that earlier. You said I don't always, I don't always comment. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. We're gonna fix this nonsense. But you know exactly what I want. We'll get there. The infrastructure is a big step. Mark, I love the call. I really appreciate you chiming in and kind of redirecting some of the focus. It was awesome. And hope you call in again. Hope you join a panel. You know you're one of my boys, and you're also a good listener. So I love it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, brother. Call me anytime, my friend. All right, Mark. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Later. Bye. Yeah, great call. It's it's he's right too. I mean, there's 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 elements of the Constitution and there's elements of the language put forth regarding the Second Amendment that is very rarely, very rarely really pondered or explored at this stage. You know that kind of inhibits our conversation too because we're not even contextualizing it properly all the time. And that creates another impasse and another political kind of rabbit hole, so to speak, to go down. Um, and it's it's really an issue uh, as well. It's really an issue as well. Um, you know, guys, this this was another productive conversation. I mean, I wish I just wish we could put some of the ideas you know, and the productive conversations that we have into practice maybe one day we can as we grow and the podcast is growing by the way the amount of listeners and the amount of shares and downloads every week is growing it's um slowly but surely growing so that is a that is a positive and you know the podcast isn't the only endeavor that i'm involved in or that any of you are involved in we're all people who um we're all the people who want to positively influence the world around us and, and are rational logical people and um, the more we kind of spread knowledge and, and, and also positively affect society in our own respective professions and our own respective roles in the community uh, is important and as we grow we gotta we gotta continue to do that and uh, you know look the fact that we are blessed enough in this country to have the first amendment and that we can continue to have this dialogue is a blessing and it's the, it's the only way to continue to evolve in this country to reach some semblance of the initial promise that that was put forth that was has never quite been attained and certainly hasn't been attained to different groups of people who have been oppressed in the country the the closer we get to that to the realization of that promise is is an endeavor that I've I've sought to undertake for my whole life since I really took to to U.S. history and took to societal problems and, and the things going on around us. And this is but one element. This is but one aspect of how we start to get there. And this app really is working out well. So I, I'm anxious to use all the different. Uh, attributes of the app and kind of delve into it. And I, I also like the dialogue that happens in the comments section. I can see it while I'm talking. I don't always jump into every comment back and forth. But um, at the end of the day, you know, the, the dialogue that occurs within the podcast is also good. And that's another good element. I, I'm trying to figure out a day to do it consistently. I know Friday was the day, but I just think that once COVID's over, you know, it's going to be harder to get everybody together on, on Fridays. So, you know, I want to try to figure out a day. Thursday is a good day. Just some of our most, you know, some of our biggest uh, supporters and listeners and commenters aren't available Thursday, you know. So I got to see if I could 
what day. But anyway, for now, it's Thursday. Next week's Easter weekend. So I'll see if uh, I'll be on live next weekend. I may well be. I'll, I'll make that announcement through the various channels leading up to next uh, Thursdays. Um, so Benson and Stabler, so SVU's back on next Thursday. So I got to figure, I'll figure it out, guys. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, and if, you know what? Even if we got to move it here and there, I'd rather get a consistent day and a consistent time, but I'll, I'll figure it out. But we'll see about next week because it's Easter, uh, Easter weekend. If I don't talk to you next week, uh, everybody have a happy holiday, happy Passover, happy Easter, whatever it is that you celebrate. If you're just enjoying a weekend, that's fine, too. Have a happy one. Um, yeah, I do have a two-hour limit uh, on this app, which is actually fine to me because uh, <laughs> we go too much over two hours and it's just me. Me, I feel like I'm just rambling and just goes and goes and goes. I'll, I'll check into that, too, if there's a way to get around that two-hour limit at some point. I think there is. There's a lot I want to do with the podcast as far as advancing it and kind of expanding upon our technological capabilities to kind of continue to reach out. And even the advertising aspect and just getting more people involved. Um, look for more guests in the future, too. But we will see uh, about next week. Either way, I'll settle on a day. Either way, you know you'll hear from me again. Either way, you know Logic and Larry's going to be back in action. To Siren's suggestion, I definitely will be posting this week's playlist, and I'll post the playlists every week so that you guys could enjoy the music too. Um, yeah, Rick, that's fine. I mean, we we got most of what ha- was said in the comments, so that's fine. Um, next week, I'll leave a little more time for calls too. Um, but yeah, I'll post the playlist up. I'll post this up. Guys, when you see the link, too, just, just you know, click the share button. Just share the podcast as often as you can. Get as many people on board as you can. It's nice to have new listeners. It's nice to have people involved and engaged and discussing the issues before us and then branching out to other people so that we kind of all – you don't realize the impact you make, but you make an impact. You know, we all make an impact. And more impact you can do and the more knowledge you can put out there, it does make a difference in the long run. I've seen it already with this podcast. I've seen things that we talk about here that we learn from each other than somebody else who listens and is in part of this community. I see them out there spreading that knowledge to other people. So it, it does have an effect as, as, as small as it may seem at this juncture. If we keep it up, it'll keep growing and it'll keep having a positive effect. So... Um. Yeah. See, Rick's not for a band because Rick, you know, and, and devil's advocate and and just bringing other perspectives and challenging points is important. That's how we learn. That's how we continue to build on the things that we've constructed and the ideas that we have. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll list the playlist too. I'll talk to you guys all very, very, very soon. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you took something positive from it. Please share it. Please uh, keep bringing people into the community. I will talk to all of you soon, individually or on the cast. And until then, I'm signing off. Have a great, great weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather that's starting to set in. A little bit of rain, but it's getting really nice out. Spring is in the air. The cherry blossoms are soon to come to Branchbrook Park in Newark, New Jersey. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your weekend and the longer days. Better days are ahead. We started this podcast out of a pandemic in the middle of March, and we are seeing it continue to grow into the light, better days ahead, and a more robust economy and sociological uh, stratosphere as we go forward.
talk to all you guys soon. And it was a pleasure to be with you tonight. It's Larry signing off on the Logic and Larry podcast. Good night. Good night.